welcome to Chasing the Peloton. I'm your host Peter and this is episode 3 of Meeting the Migration Gravel Races ahead of the Migration Gravel Race in Kenya in June. And for this episode I share with you my conversation with ultra endurance racer Josh Ibbett. It seems like there are a few races and places that Josh hasn't been with his bike. A winner of 2015's Transcontinental Race, last year's GB Juro, amongst a whole host of other ultra-endurance bikepacking events. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that he served as some inspiration for me wanting to get into the endurance cycling scene. Long hours stuck indoors over the last year of isolation and limited travel, watching videos on YouTube of people like Josh in far-flung exotic places riding their bike prompted me to enter not just the migration gravel race but a couple of other events later in the year. Now if you haven't listened to episode one or episode two of Chasing the Peloton with Kate and Iman, I highly encourage you to go and do that when you get the chance. Both these ladies are very inspiring with what they're doing on their bikes in Kenya and I think it's really worthwhile that their stories are shared with the wider cycling community. Before we begin, some context for our conversation. Josh and I recorded this nearly two weeks ago as it was looking more and more hopeful that we would be able to make it over to Kenya to join the others in the race. Unfortunately, the situation in Kenya changed and also the UK government's attitude towards travelling to Kenya changed too. So that's a shame, but we have our fingers crossed that things are going to improve over the next couple of months. And that's where we'll pick up the conversation with Josh and I talking about the race. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be um, a pretty exciting race, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, you've kind of uh, struck a little bit already saying if it goes ahead, I'm sure something will go ahead. It's just who can get there is, is, is a bit of a, a concern at the moment, I suppose. But um, yeah things are looking more positive so I'm, I'm i'm hopeful that it will be able to happen um, yeah and even when the entries you know opened up it was a on my part it was a bit of a speculative speculative entry yeah um <clears throat> thinking well I, i'd hope i can get a place uh, but secondly i don't even know if the world will be a, a, like you know back to normal by then yeah um so if it does i mean it'll be such an amazing way to kind of celebrate being allowed out again basically um, oh that's yeah i can't think of a better way of flying to kenya and cycling around the masai mara for four days to, to celebrate the end of uh, yeah exactly end of and I, actually my last foreign trip abroad was actually to rwanda um in okay. end of january in uh well last year 2020 oh was um, that the um the race around rwanda was it always, yeah, yeah yeah so th- yeah there's a number of guys doing a really good um job out there um yeah. with helping local Rwandan riders and putting on events um, mm. like Simon and, and Matt. Yeah. Um, so I've been involved involved with those guys a bit and mm. um, they're actually trying to help fund a few riders go to the uh, migration gravel race as well. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the biggest thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's given opportunity to riders to be able to, you know, attend the races. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to help those, those guys a little bit with my contacts. Um, so they, obviously the, the big thing is, um, you know, the African riders are, you know incredible athletes and they're probably much yeah. better than us europeans yeah. you know As you look at like, like um the marathon in running and all these riders uh, riders you don't ride a 
<laughs> racing. Yeah. All these runners, yeah. sorry, uh, you know, that dominate the sport are all from these African countries. Um, and, you know, it's not a coincidence, you know, the upbringing, the diet, yeah. the altitude, the, 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 the mental kind of, um, you know, focus. Uh, and quite often, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of born into it as such because they have to run to, to get places. Yeah. Um, they just don't have the opportunity. Um, but obviously cycling, running's cheap and easy because you, you can just run and exactly. you know it's built around it but cycling yeah. there's all this other you know i mean you see on the camera i'm, I'm in a garage full of bikes and i'm quite privileged in that sense but these african riders you know they're, they're lucky to have a bike yeah. um so i've been sort of trying to help um you know the guys in rwanda with a bit of kit and stuff mm. um and bike parts so they can sort of participate on an equal um sort of playing field with with us you know um european and rest of the world yeah people who who are, who are lucky enough to be able to a fly around the world potentially you know go to visit their home country mm. and you know b have all this fancy kit which makes them go fast without having to try too hard yeah. which is kind of like the <laughs> the way the bike world works isn't it in um you know in kind of uh you know the western world it, you know we, we'd rather buy buy something to make us faster than actually um train hard <laughs> that's very true yeah I'm curious about how you came, you mentioned your involvement with, with some of the guys in Rwanda as well. Um, how did that come about your kind of involvement in, uh, an, an interest in cycling in East Africa? Um, well, there, there was just an opportunity to go and race, uh, the race around Rwanda last, um, yeah. uh, last January or the end of last, um, last January. And I kind of, I hadn't been before I've been to South Africa. Um, mm. I raced in the Cape Epic, uh, probably 10 years ago, almost, in 2012 but that's not really um i mean you know it's a bit of a shock that's the first time i sort of seen poverty as such right you know you you fly you know on a big jumbo jet into um cape town airport and then you kind of i remember just right driving down the motorway into town through the like through the shanty towns into the city and you just mm. see all the the poverty and you know people going to the loo it's just at the side of the road like it's normal and you think well that's a bit interesting and then mm. you get embroiled in this race and, you, and you're just you know the, the cape epic is effectively the biggest stage race in mountain biking um yeah. they, they they say it's like the equivalent of the tour de france in well they would wouldn't they but it's <laughs> in, uh, you know in the, in the prestige anyway and certainly yeah. the uci rankings and you get tv crews and tv helicopters and you know you, you, I, I kind of explored a bit of the the southern cape there but I'm very well aware that it was a bit of a, um, you know, it wasn't real Africa. It was a bit of a race yeah. bubble with, again, lots of kind of rich, uh, lots of money and lots of, of lots of sponsorship and lots of organization and, and that kind exactly, of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's not, you know, I did at the time and, you know, it was a great experience and I loved the race and, you know, you know, I would love to go back, mm. but even on a personal point of view, I spent a hell of a lot of money on it and I saved a lot and, and you think, well, that's kind of half the reason I got into the bike packing and stuff as well. You know, yeah. Because, I spent well nearly three thousand pounds, and that you know that's quite a lot of money at, at that time because I was kind of scraping by, spending every every single penny I had on bike racing. Yeah, and um, and then suddenly you think, well, I could do a lot more for this with the bike packing races and stuff. And and since then, you know, in the last ten years, you know, my first bike packing event uh, was twenty fourteen, but my first bike packing trip was end of twenty thirteen. Yeah, um, and, you know, so that Cape Epic trip was fantastic but it was kind of almost made me realize there was another thing to go on to right um <clears throat> so yeah so i'd always kind of been intrigued by africa but it's it's a bit of a daunting place to just go yeah um and the race around rwanda you know and i'd, I'd met simon um actually in amman um he was doing a race there so i kind of knew him and i kind of thought well 
you know, it's, it's obviously fairly organized because there is a danger that sometimes you go to these races and it's just someone's drawn a line on a map and you That's turn true. up and it's, yeah. uh, it's, I mean, it's kind of cool, but I'd rather just go touring rather than do that. But, but yeah. he's, you know, he, he'd really made, um, well, him and, and Matt and everyone else involved in the race had really done a great job. Um, and I'm in t- touch with Simon quite a lot. And, you know, I ended up racing with a couple of the Rwandan riders. It was the first time. Um, and, you know, you're riding with them all day and you just sort of get on really well with them. And and I saw the, um, they've got like a cycling center there in yeah. the mountains. Where they, they train in the national team. Okay. Um, which is great. It's, it's government funded, um, but it, it's kind of quite elitist and, um, you know, it does give a lot of opportunity, but there's also a lot of other riders around the fringes that aren't in the national team. And these are the guys that, that Simon um, and Matt and you know, everyone else are trying to kind of get the equipment for because they've got a fleet of like fancy Pinarellos, road bikes, yeah. and they've got all these amazing gravel roads and they just got road bikes. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, there's all this terrain and all this, uh, you know, opportunity there, but it's just mm. kind of making it happen. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of my involvement with the guys out, out in Rwanda. Um, mm. And obviously, you know, the, the African cycling community, especially East Africa, is relatively small. Um, so I think Simon, um, you know, is in contact with the guys who run Migration. Um, and I think there's Club Masaka, which I've yeah. heard a bit about as in well, Uganda, which is yeah. Uganda, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I think they're all relatively sort of closely, um, you know, tied together, mm. or at least they know each other. So, um, yeah, it was a no-brainer. When I saw that come out and you saw these amazing images, I just had a feeling it would be a good race. And I thought, well, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to go. Still don't even know if I'm going to get, get to be able to go really. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm hopeful that things if things carry on the way they are in certainly in the UK with our, our current uh, roadmap to freedom as such, yeah. um, it might be viable. Yeah. I'm willing to sort of stay in a hotel room for a, <laughs> a few days and quarantine if it means I can do this trip. Um, yeah. I think, I think it's safe yeah. to do so. Yeah. The, that, that will be the, the cutoff. If, 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 if Kenny goes onto the list, that means that you, you've got to quarantine, you come back. I think that might be the, because then, yeah. then it gets into the kind of the thousands of pounds total. Yeah, that will make it kind of yeah. too much, uh, you know, in time. You can't just, well, I've been at work the whole time, so I can't really just yeah. sit at home and work from home, unfortunately. No. Um, so, so, yeah, so um, we'll see. But at the moment, I'm hopeful that, that it will be viable. I put it this way, I'd rather get on a plane to Kenya then I would go to southern Spain full of uh, British holiday makers. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be, be safer. And, um, it's you know, kind of, could... there is a bubble around the whole thing. It's like you you fly into the airport, you, you go to the hotel, and then you you bus out to the, the middle of nowhere where you're not going to be, you're going to be with uh, maybe 50, 60 people for a few days. Exactly, um, yeah. So you have to rely on them, uh, yeah. you know, these people being sensible. But, I mean, you've got to do the tests to go. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, but then you never know. Boris might change his mind again in a few weeks. So. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's not, let's not bring politics into let's, it. Yeah. Let, <laughs> um, with that in mind, uh, are you training specifically for it at the moment, or are you um, just kind of carrying on as normal? Um, well, I'm not specifically training for it as such, but it's in the back of my mind. But at the yeah. moment, it's, it's silly to like fully commit to to sort of trying to beat you best for one race which you don't even know if you can get to it um mm. so i'm i'm kind of focusing on the and have been focusing on the um the highland trail 550 bike okay. race uh, which is in scotland which you know at, at the end of last year seemed like it might be viable mm. um and, you know realistically and it, it's looking like that hopefully will be when's that gonna um be? that's the the last weekend of may okay 
Um, so about three weeks after the kind of the travel ban in Scotland lifts, mm. um, and hopefully towards the end of, if, you know, if we're to believe what what has been said in the UK, um, towards the end of the, all restrictions being lifted. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> you've got you've got to be positive, haven't you? And you've got to have something to aim for. So for me, um, the Highland Trail 550 looked like a, a very viable option, um, yeah. and then this falls about four or five weeks after the end of June. Yeah four weeks after um so yeah i'm hopeful so who knows <laughs> that's half the excitement isn't it if we that do go it'll thing. be yeah, yeah. probably last minute and just the, the buzz and excitement will be even more than it already is i think yeah on on that note do you have any expectations for it given your experience um in rwanda i think that's a little bit different um in terms of there's some on-road stuff there's some off-road stuff uh migration gravel race it's pretty much all off-road and having spoken to some of the guys it's like heavy heavy duty off-road big rocks type stuff uh yeah. um going off what little you know what what, you, what your expectations for it i'm expecting it to be absolutely brutal yeah um i mean like i said i've i've um experienced rwanda and actually i didn't finish that race because I, I was touring for five days before right. and it rained almost every day and it's, it's kind of quite volcanic around there. Right. Um, it turns out that you need to take spare brake pads and I didn't <laughs> take any and you can't get any in Africa. So my first... Oh yeah, I saw the video of you stood by the side of, of the road with... Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I wore through the pads, through the metal, into the piston caliper and through Ooh. the rotor. Okay. Um, so I, I'm expecting... Oh, and, it, and that was the, the dry season apparently. So <laughs> don't believe anything the organizers tell you. <laughs> Lesson learned. But I, I fully expect if it rains to be pretty um, savage, and mm. I like to think I'm a bit of a connoisseur of mud, having grown up riding off road in the UK. So right. um, I'd imagine that it gets very slick very quickly when it rains, and then there's probably a few hours where it's just sticky clay and mm. sticks to everything. Um, so I think bikes are going to get kicking, bodies are going to take a kick in. Yeah, um, it's altitude. There's going to be sort of all seasons probably. Yeah. Um, and you have to remember you're sleeping in a tent every night. Um, you, you know, you're eating camp food. You're not going to be able to just go and have a bath every night or a massage or anything like that. It's going to yep. be, it's, it's almost, it's not really an ultra endurance race, um, but it's on the ultra endurance end of the stage race scale. Yeah. I think. That's what I'm interested about because having seen some of the names who are going to be taking part and um, I've spoken to earlier today, Jeffrey Langat, who's, who's a Kenyan rider um kind of primarily road rider into gravel and then there's also talk of some of the the ef pro cycling guys going and uh kind of those high level tour, uh world tour pros but then also someone like you who's kind of that more biking endurance it's kind of this is it's not exactly easy to categorize this race and no. like you said it's it's that it's that end of endurance that is kind of pushing into that stage race territory yeah and, and that's the thing and that's why it's exciting as well yeah. i mean I, i'm really you know excited to be able to essentially test myself against these world world tour guys yeah you know i've, I've followed them and you know they've started putting their toes into you know the world i've been in for a while yeah. um you know and you know I've, I, i'm a fan of cycling i follow the races i you know you know look at the cycling mm. you know results all the time so I, i'm kind of you know it's, it'd be nice to kind of um compare myself and i, ha I have raced in high level races like that yeah. before with the cape epic you know, the, you know the olympic champion and world champion i think won it as a pair when we did it um, you know and i'm I'm under no illusion i'm not going to be um up there with them but it's nice to know where you stand isn't it 
Yeah. Um, and the nice thing about a race like this is that, you know, there are more odds of things going wrong and um, kind of more like the ultra endurance, the, the management of yourself and your bike and your gear yeah. is more important. And that is a bit of a level, level playing field. I mean, like these road pros, they're going to come in and they're going to come off the back of pro races and, you know, they're going to be so much fitter. They're going to yeah. be the fittest people in the bunch without a doubt. But then you factor in the altitude, you know, that means the local riders suddenly they've yeah. got a bit of a, a benefit. Um, you know, the local food, the local riders have a benefit. Um, and then there's things like, you know, the, you know, being used to being miserable on a bike for a week, you know, people yeah. like me sort of have a bit of a benefit. Uh, yeah. And there, there's people with like off-road skills, you know, who, who might be better at certain stages. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you can quite feasibly see a group of, you know, four or five world tour pros and, you know, local Africans smashing up the, the biggest climbs on the sort of the queen stage as such. Yeah. But then the, the gap might close quite a lot on the descent and, you know, it's people get overexcited in these races and you can always go too hard too early yeah. and you can always blow yeah um, and, and that's and when that's when kind of um not necessarily accidents happen but um something that you can't necessarily train for but someone like you with all these hours on the bike all over the place in terms of what to do when something goes wrong and you're in an isolated area um there's, there's no support yeah. vehicle there's, 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 there's no team car yeah, to roll up no team behind car, you. yeah um, as such but you know a lot of these these guys you know they, 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 well most of them are you know they, they know they know enough they know how to look after stuff but yeah there is that, that extra element um mm. which you know which makes it interesting and then let's factor in you know we're riding across you know kenya in you know the wild game reserves and stuff in this incredible surroundings you know that's part of it is just seeing it all i mean yeah. how often do you get to race your bike through a nature reserve with like sort of zebras and giraffes running around and and then camp out in the middle of it at night. I mean, that's, it's just a great adventure, isn't it? I mean, the race doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It's, yeah. it's just the, the kind of the, the thing that's getting everyone there and making this experience happen. So yeah, for me, it's exciting. so long as I finish and so long as I, I have a good time, I'm not really bothered about where, where I end up. It's nice to know where I you mean, stand, but yeah. To be fair. I mean, that, that that's probably the same for most people who are traveling yeah. out there. I mean, I think the locals are pretty fired up. Um, yeah. Well, know, I understand be, that kind of the top, to the top local riders are getting entries into a couple of gravel races in the states potentially yeah um, so it's a big deal isn't it so it's the opportunity a, yeah. and, and yeah. That, that's what takes us back to the reasons it, it's there it's like yeah we're going on a jolly and having yeah. a nice time for these guys it really matters um yeah. you know and if if one of them you know you know gets to you know do do one of the races in the states and makes a you know gets a result then that could potentially you know change things mm. um so yeah, you, you just you just like it's hard to tell, you know, living in Europe, you know, the, the the perspective of the locals and things that might just be a nice trip for us actually, uh, you know, a big deal for them, which is yeah, it's kind of cool. And having spoken spoken to some of the other guys, um, it's kind of also an opportunity to to show a different side to cycling um, in East Africa. Certainly, um, some of the the people I've I've spoken to. Um, are more interested in not necessarily that high end winning the place to the the US race, but kind of showing that uh, cycling is a sport for for all people, and it's not just for the the high level athletes. It's also for um, new new people who have just taken up cycling, like like you alluded to earlier. Um, the the barrier to entry with with regards to cost is pretty high, um, mm. and that can lead to things like cycling being quite elitist but 
been able to show that that necessarily isn't the case. Um, I think that's an, also an important element of of it, and I think I feel that's that's something that we can try and share as well with with doing Definitely. doing the race. Yeah, yeah. We're, we've um, I, I do a bit of work with Hunt Bike Wheels, just um, you know supporting um, you know the, the riders who do these silly events, and we've actually supported a local rider called uh, Iman Kokumba. Yeah, I she lives in Mombasa. Oh, he's very she, yeah, she so. gave you a big shout out. Oh, did she? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So we, we, you know, she's um, she's obviously like really pushing and you know and trying to make something for herself. So we we sent a couple of wheels out her way and, yeah. and covered her entries and stuff. And you know, that's you know, it's it's not much in the grand scheme of things, but it makes a big difference to her. And um, yeah, you know, hopefully, he's given her that it's, it's opportunity, isn't it? You know, yeah. I've been privileged enough to be able to race my bike since I was fourteen, and pretty much almost every week certainly a few times mm. a month if i wanted to um but these guys you know it's this is their race for the year almost yeah but in speaking to her as well yeah during lockdown she's been teaching other women to ride bikes 10 15 women um who have never ridden before and i think that's that's the power of something like this if she can go and take part in this event and show that she can do it those 10 15 women are suddenly inspired to be like all right okay like I know that person, I can do it. It, it is a possibility. And I think yeah, that's, it, that's, it, that's what's really cool. It's like anything, you know, you, the first time you do it, I guess, for example, like the running the four minute mile or, you know, things yeah. like that, it's impossible, impossible, impossible. Then someone does it. And then suddenly, you know, loads of people do it because it's, you know, it's been done and people know you can do it. And yeah. you know, that, that's, it's the kind, same kind of principle, isn't it? Um, but it's just having the opportunity to do it in the first place. So hopefully, um, you know, it will, will make a bit of a difference. Um, you know, and it's, it's an amazing, you know, my experience of, you know, Rwanda is an amazing place. Mm. Um, and I'm sure Kenya will be just as, as incredible. Yeah. Um, changing gear a little bit. I, you've, you're clearly quite accomplished and quite experienced in, in the world of cycling. How did you get into it in the first place? Um, cycling and what, and what is it that you, you particularly love about it? Um, well, I first, I've always ridden a bike, you know, yeah. as you do when you're a kid and make little obstacle courses around the, around the garden. Um, and then I, my parents, my stepdad and my mum started, um, well, they, they did a bit of mountain biking and then they, they entered a race. Um, yeah. So I live in the east of England, um, kind of near Cambridge, and there's a, a big forest called Thetford uh, yeah. over in Norfolk. Uh, and there was quite a big um, series there and they, they did one and then I think they quite enjoyed it. Mm. Um, and like, oh, you're going to race? And I'm like, no, I don't want to race. You're going to race then this week? And I'm like, no, I don't really want to. And then eventually I did it. And yeah. um, I think I fell off from the start line and came last. And then uh, that was it, really. <laughs> I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of uh, started, you know, at the bottom um, mm. as uh, I would have been 14, probably, mm. in the youth youth ranks. And then I worked my way up and um, did sort of the national series in cross country. And then I got selected on the... It's called the the talent team, which is like the the time was the the, the bottom level of the British cycling sort of okay. talent identification program, which basically meant I was really keen and rode a bike. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of cool, you know. Some of the people I was with on on that, you know, those early days are now pros. Um, okay. And have been Olympic champions and stuff, and yeah, so you know, I know my place in that respect. <laughs> but I just enjoy it. It's what I like to do. It's what I've I've done most of my adult life now, or all of my adult life. Mm. Um, and I've just, you know, I, I always like doing the, uh, the longer trips and rides and races and it's just kind of evolved. And then over the last sort of five or six years, um, the thing that I happen to 
find a little niche in has become quite mainstream, which has kind of been cool. So it's, yeah. it's nice to be involved in it. Um, yeah, so it's given me a lot of opportunities to do stuff, which which is good. And I think you've just got to take opportunities when they present themselves. And, um, you know, certainly the last year has taught me anything. Um, it's take opportunities while you can because, you, you know, you don't yeah. know if you can do it. So hence my entry to this race, just on, the, on a whim, really. Mm. <clears throat> so why do you ride? Like, um, what is it about it that, that, you, that you particularly enjoy about it? Why? I mean, my favourite sort of bike ride would be probably a week to 10 days touring just by myself mm. and just cruising along you know with you know nothing in my head or maybe everything in my head to start with and then you just you know just days disappear i just love it just being out there seeing the world go by mm. you know ob- observing things here in the sort of nature hearing the birds you know sometimes enjoying a, a tough climb and then an amazing descent mm. um you know that's i don't know i just just enjoy it and then obviously there's a competitive side of things um yeah I equally enjoy doing a cyclocross race on a Sunday morning and feeling like I'm about to have a heart attack for an hour. You know, it's also quite satisfying. It's just, you need something in life to focus on. Otherwise, you know, there's, there's not really much point, is it? You just end up kind of vegetating. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really one to sit at home, you know, my bum all day. No. Well, not unless I've earned it by doing a silly bike ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I quite have to do so. But, and then there's bike racing on the telly. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. It is funny that because, um, I'm coming at this not I've I've always cycled, but um only within the last within lockdown. And I guess looking at people like you and and someone like Lachlan Morton as well, seeing the kind of the stuff that, that you guys have done and then being like, I want a bit of that, and then being stuck at home being like, Oh, this this is this lockdown is is really dragging in. I miss traveling the world and I miss adventure and stuff yeah. like that. Um, there's going to be a lot of hunger after this lockdown yeah. there's going to be a lot of people wanting to do a lot of trips yeah. and things you know it's, it's going to it's going to be good um, and hopefully it'll get a lot of people kind of mm. motivated and it's funny um, once you've got that goal to aim for certainly i found everything else has kind of fallen into place in terms of uh yeah. that extra motivation that kind of like okay i need to lose a little bit of weight i need to start eating a little bit better and like Take care you just of, need that one thing yeah. just to kind of focus you and that's the thing like the human body is amazing like I, I wouldn't say that i'm like a uh like a a, a a prime kind of athlete mm. you know I'm, I'm probably quite good at a niche but you know there's plenty of people out there who are way stronger than me um you know physically but yeah. i think it's your head that makes a difference and you know and the world's top top athletes you know the, the guys winning the tour and stuff uh at, at the core they're really strong athletes but their minds are really strong yeah um and that's the thing, you just got to kind of, you need that bit of inspiration, don't you? Like going back to our previous conversation about Iman, you know, if people can see that there's something to aim for, yeah, then it makes the whole process easier. Um, and I, it probably just means I'm a daydreamer and uh, I, <laughs> I aim for lots of different things and some of them stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm also interested to know, you mentioned your, your perfect ride or what could, what could be one of your perfect rides, kind of eight to 10 days touring, just nothing in your head, everything in your head. Um, to complement your perfect ride, what, what's your perfect um, on-the-bike snack? Um, it's the thing you really fancy at the time. Right. And it sounds really weird. So the other day, I what was I doing? I was doing a really long ride. Um, no, I wasn't. I was training. I was out training, mm. and I really fancied a cheese and pickle sandwich. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> which is very British. <laughs> but if I'd have had one right then, then yeah. that would have been the perfect snack. 
um but <laughs> equally it's not always the same thing is it it's you know some of those might be a bag of crisps or yeah. it might be an energy gel or you know you know when you're really dehydrated when you want like a um just a, a bottle of kind of um electrolytes you know yeah it's, uh, it's kind of you know what 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 you think you want and what you actually want are two different things and you mm. need to line the two up otherwise you can be really disappointed because sometimes you go thinking about you know a big ice cream or something or a big slice yeah. of cake all day and then you get there at the end of the day and you eat it or you get it in front of you and you think oh actually i don't fancy that anymore so yeah i always end take, up take yeah. snacks in the moment <laughs> i always eat, end up eating too many sweets and then just getting a big like sugar downer afterwards and be like ah that was that was a bad idea yeah yeah but Especially yeah I, when, you, when you do it in a in a race like that and you you know take a massive caffeine gel and you yeah. get a downer just before the finish that's that makes life a bit interesting <laughs> <laughs> and there's another thing on your perfect ride i'm interested in or your perfect ride or, or perhaps more what you're into at the moment what's on your your cycling playlist at the moment what's your what's your go-to tune or, or tunes um i listen to a lot of um like radio shows actually okay uh, i used to sort of i go through phases i used to go through you know just making your own playlist on your ipod and stuff and then i got high tech and got a smartphone a few years ago right quite a long way behind the, behind the curve and then um i started listening to like dj sets and stuff you know like the, the boiler room ones and stuff like All that right, okay stuff on um soundcloud and and i still do that but i save them for when it gets a bit messy like mm. on GB Jira last year, I had a, a Glastonbury Chemical Brothers set, which was brilliant. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> Quite perfect. late at night yeah, yeah. when you're a little bit waving off, off it anyway. Um, but at the moment I listen to, I've got, there's three or four radio shows I listen to. I either mm. listen to Namone on Six Music. Um, okay. That was a nice kind of, um, you know, alternative sort of electronic music. Mm. Um, the Craig Charles Funk and Soul Show. Okay. Also in six music, which is kind of good just to sort of bop along to and yeah. have a bit of a sing along sometimes. Um, and then sometimes like the Friday night kind of dance ones if I'm doing a bit of uh, intensity. Mm. Uh, they're my sort of main go to. Um, but things change, you know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the same as a snacks really, isn't it? It's what you fancy at the time. It is or I just listen to a, a podcast and just kind of like daydream. I might be, um, you know, over-exaggerating, but I just think that the, the migration will be a lot tougher than than um, people expect. I think people hear about gravel racing and they yeah. see, you know, these images of the big races in the States where they've got, you know, endless miles of dirt roads. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, that is gravel racing. Mm. And it's almost like, you know, a road race on on dirt. Mm. And I think certain areas of this this race will be, but it's just, I think it's going to be brutal. I think it's going to be, you know, we'll go to the first, you know, rocky section and the race will just explode and you just got to, I think a lot of uh, expectations will be lowered and I think people will just want to try and finish it. Yeah. After that point, and I think if, you know, unless you're one of the real top guys, I think going in to try and win it is, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a tough call. But, you know, that's, that's the excitement of it, isn't it? And you never know. Um, you know, and equally some people might excel because it is so, so tough. Yeah, or it might just be tarmac roads, and uh, they've tarmacked it by then, and it's a road race. <laughs> Hopefully not. I don't think Hopefully the development not. of Alpha no. is that quick. But uh... no, um, yeah, it just just triggered in me a, a kind of a, another question that I have. Um, I'd be interested in your perspective on it as well. I've been asking the the local guys um, what they hope this might achieve. Say we're having this conversation in a year's time, 
and the migration gravel race has been a great success. What would we be talking about in terms of progress development that's happened as a result of it? Uh, so, well, I think it was going to, um, I mean, if you, if you look at the pattern so far, I mean, this race got a, you know, a lot of coverage on a lot of the big cycling, you know, outlets, yeah. the bikepacking.com cycling tips you know they're two almost two ends of the scale there you've got the the, the full-on professional road racing and the the kind of out there you know yeah. trips and then you get you know the fgi signing on which is you know kind of a big deal in terms of coverage yeah you know i think it's going to really have a lot of reach and it's probably going to be one of the the more well you know covered events um you know on the on the gravel racing calendar I mean, it helps with the images and stuff that they put out, which were amazing. You know, yeah. you see the the guys riding past like the zebras, and you know, that that, that kind of catches your eye, doesn't it? Whether you you know whether you want to try and, whether you're trying to look look for it or not. Yeah. Um. You know, and I, I certainly think that a lot of images coming out will be, um, you know, picked up by a lot by media outlets, and there'll be a lot more um, awareness and prestige. So I think you know, providing it it goes ahead as you know, hopefully planned. Mm. um or close to i think this time next year there'll be a queue of you know people wanting to ride it i think they'll be massively oversubscribed and i think they are already yeah but also i think there'll be a lot more high sort of profile coverage for it and a lot mm. of you know riders really wanting to make it um you know part of their calendar mm. and hopefully it will be one of the sort of mainstays of the the gravel racing scene as such um you know and i know there are plans in in other countries you know Miranda, um mm. you know for, for for their own events so hopefully yep. it might be like a you know in, in a four or five years time if if the gravel scene has its own kind of world tour or international calendar it might be that that's the, the african leg you know is based around the migration gravel yeah you know and x race in rwanda and maybe one in uganda and you know that's where everyone goes the circus goes there for kind of three or four weeks and you know hopefully that'll be you know the way it goes and equally that gives lots of opportunity for the africans and yeah you never know. We might be talking about some of the big races over in uh, in the states being won by Africans. You know, that would be pretty but, cool. I'm sure the talents there. I mean, yeah. we're all essentially the same. So you know, there's no reason why once they have the kind of the opportunity and the exposure, there's no reason why mm. that 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 couldn't happen. Yeah. And on a, yeah, and on a, on a more personal level, what what are you, other than you've mentioned the Highland 550 and fingers crossed for the the migration gravel race? Is there anything else on your calendar ahead? to that you're looking forward to oh there's lots of things i'm looking forward to <laughs> it's a different matter but i mean uh, initially i planned for um you know i, I plan to do the atlas mountain race okay cool um, yeah but, but it, I, i've got a place you know it was going to be in february but even at the time i was thinking well it's not really going to happen in february yeah. so that's been put back to the start of october so hopefully that will happen yeah um and the rest of my sort of year was you know i was planning on staying in europe until you know, migration popped up and I thought, oh, sod it, I'll, I'll just see, you never yeah. know. Um, but we've, you know, covered that already. So the other thing I want to do is called the European Divide Trail. Okay. Um, which is a trail that's been set up by a guy called Andy Cox. Um, and it's a, basically an off-road touring route across Europe. Yeah. Uh, so it starts in Norway at the the kind of north eastern point, pretty much yep. on the Russian border, and then traverses all the way through uh, down to Portugal. Um, so I was hoping that potentially I'd do that in summer as a bit of a you know escape after okay. being stuck yeah. at home for ages and not being able to do a big trip um but at the moment i'm feeling that it's probably more likely that i'll be able to get to africa than it will be to europe so yeah uh, unfortunately uh you know brexit's not been too good to us in terms of uh making friends abroad let's say no 
uh, whether yeah. we like it or not. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think we'll be more welcome in Africa. Um, so <laughs> right now I'm more optimistic more out more optimistic about about getting to uh, kenya than i am anywhere else <laughs> yeah me too it's strange but um that's the way things are at the moment i mean um, we, we could could have gone to rwanda in uh, january apart from you know the, the band travel ban came in just before uh, yeah the flying date but in all you know re, you know realism i probably could have got out to do that if i'd have been quick enough but yeah with your spare brake pads well, yeah, I'm taking a lot. I'm going to take four, <laughs> four, four sets to get to Kenya. Probably a couple of chains, maybe, in a, maybe even, even a rear hanger. So, yeah, I can set well, the black market for spare parts when everyone else's bikes get eaten by the mud. <laughs> that's true. I'm currently putting together my list, and kind of the more I, the more I think about it, the more it's kind of like, okay, maybe I need to add another one of them on that, and another one on that. Um, yeah, I, I think you know the way I look at it is that it's going to be a brutal race on your bike and your body so yeah. you need to look after yourself you know make sure you've got a nice sleeping bag and you're comfy and all that if, if you're not used to camping because that takes it out of you yeah um you look after yourself in terms of like any sores or any little niggles mm. make sure you've got stuff to sort that out uh, keep clean and take four sets of clean kit because you don't really want to be uh reusing dirty yeah. shorts i mean to be fair i do it all the time in my long races but I've, I've, I've faced the consequences of that. So give yourself mm. a fighting chance. Um, and then in terms of your bike, I, I'd almost take spare everything if you can. I'll take yeah. a spare tire. I'd Don't probably worry. fit grippier and stronger, uh, thicker tires than, than you would normally. Mm. Um, because, I mean, I've seen what the rain does in Rwanda uh, and I can't imagine it's going to be much different in Kenya and it's so slippery. Yeah. Um, and also there's lots of, well, reading between the lines, there's lots of quite rocky sections. And the last thing you want to do is, is split your tire on the first day and then compromise the rest of the trip. So I'd, I'm probably going to fit, um, you know, probably like puncture protection tires with a thicker sidewall, a right. bit more grip, um, okay. and probably take a spare as well, yeah, just in case because you, 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 you can't get spares. I mean, we're talking about giving opportunities, you know, and equipment to these African riders. So you, you can't think you're then going to go down the bike shop and buy your fancy new brake pads or your fancy new just out brakes. So no. <laughs> you got to think ahead. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's that's my kind of strategy, and then just see what happens. Great, I can't wait. Each conversation I have with someone else that's going to hopefully be taking part, I yeah, I get more nervous, but I also get more excited. Uh, oh, I know, yeah. It's been uh, it's been a, it's been really nice talking to you, Josh. Thank you very yeah, much likewise. for no your time. If anyone listening wants to kind of follow your adventures and, and what you're up to, where can they find you? um probably instagram yeah. and it is i don't know what it is my name at josh Ibbitt, which is i double b e double t um i have got a website i think that's josh i can't right. remember <laughs> um and i put some nonsense on youtube every now and again but i've not been anywhere to do that recently so mm. it's a little bit dry at the moment well um, i just watched your durham to St. Neat's video. Oh yeah, um, the classic route. <laughs> the classic Durham to St. Neat's route. And it I actually, think that was the last trip I did before lockdown. Right. I think I did it and I felt like I was kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit because there's a bit of talk on the news and then about two weeks later in full lockdown. Yeah. Um, well, it, it inspired me to plan my own. I'm going to do the classic Carlisle to Manchester route um, as soon ah. as that's, that's reasonable. Um, it doesn't sound quite as glamorous though, does it, unfortunately? <laughs> this migration gravel no <laughs> you have to make up a different name for it <laughs> yeah you've got to get it where you can yeah exactly and that's the thing isn't it that's the takeaway at the moment just do what you can and if the opportunity goes to you know arrives to go somewhere 
yeah got to take it it's going to be tough it's going to be tough for everyone yeah um you know the fast guys suffer as much as the you know the guys who are slow at the back mm. you just have to remember that and you have to remember that everyone's feeling the same way um and the only way to make it stop is finish. So hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we, we can end there. So uh, thank you very much, Josh. Yeah, no um, problem. Great. Hopefully see you soon. See you soon. Yeah. My thanks to Josh for that conversation. I really enjoyed meeting him and hopefully get to meet him in person at some point soon in the future. Again, if you haven't listened to episode one or two with Iman and Kate, please go and do that. You can also find us on Instagram at Chasing the Peloton. Please give us a follow, send us a, a comment. And until next time, keep chasing. Keep chasing.